Hello, hello, y'all. Hey, it's me, Robin. And before we get into today's episode, I'm here to let you know that the club is open right now for new members. I'm going to take a couple minutes to fill you in on all that the club is offering right now. So if you know for sure you're not interested in joining the club, you're just going to want to hit the forward button a few times until you hear that baffling behavior show jingle. Okay, so the club is a virtual community for families of kids with vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. Many families in the club are parenting kids with a history of complex trauma, but definitely not all. Some are parenting kids with vulnerabilities that emerge from their neurotype or their sensory system or their giftedness or their neuroimmune disorder. And of course, some have no idea why their child's nervous system is so vulnerable. The primary purpose of the club and why I've created it the way that I have is connection and co-regulation. Because when I reflect back on my time as a therapist, it wasn't the skills and strategies and tools and techniques I taught parents that mattered the most. What mattered most was how connection and co-regulation strengthened their owl brain so that they could stay more regulated in the face of the chaos in their home. Then they could, number one, actually use the tools, and number two, start to feel a little bit better even before the tools started to work. The club can be accessed online both through your browser on your computer and through an app. And it's open, of course, 24-7. There's a very active forum, a huge video library, and multiple live events every month. Sometimes I teach a masterclass on a specific topic. Sometimes we come together for group coaching or just to ask questions and pick, pick my brain. We have two sessions every month called Connect and Co-Regulates, and those are designed to offer exactly that. There's no teaching, no coaching, just a place for you to be seen and heard by people who get it. Currently, we are also offering once a month bonus sessions for siblings of dysregulated kids. The club is intended to be kind of like a buffet. There is a ton in it, not because you're supposed to do everything in the club. You take what you need when you need it and come back when you're ready for more. If you could use a little extra support, consider joining us. You can read all about all the details over at robingobel.com slash the club. I'll put a link in the show notes And we're open today until the end of the day, Friday, May 3rd. All right, y'all, here's that episode you're waiting for. Hello, hello. I'm Robin Goebel, and this is the Parenting After a Trauma podcast, where I'll be taking the science of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human and translating all of that for parents of children who have experienced trauma. This podcast was created to get you free easily accessible support as fast as possible. So each episode is the audio from my weekly Facebook lives with no fancy or time-consuming editing. Check the show notes for any links, downloads, or resources I mention. Thanks for inviting me onto your journey. I hope you enjoy. 
I'm Robin Goebel, and it's awesome to be with y'all again today. We are going to look at this concept of tracking arousal instead of solely focusing on and tracking behaviors and looking at how it actually, in the long run, is a much more effective way of bringing about the change that we're hoping to see with our kids. So again, welcome. I'm Robin Goebel. I am a mental health specialist who focuses on supporting parents of kids with complex trauma histories and difficult, big, challenging, whatever you want to call it, behaviors. As we engage in what is actually a really big paradigm shift, right? If we're going to shift over from being very behavior focused to looking at like, what's the level of arousal? What's the energy that's underneath these behaviors? How do we track that? Because ultimately then we can get at what the real problem is, right? Like if we can shift what's driving the behaviors, we'll ultimately achieve our goal, which is to support our kids in developing behaviors that work better for them, right? This paradigm shift from focusing on behaviors and focusing on what we see to focusing more on arousal and energy does require that we think about some things beyond just the behavior, things beyond just like, what can we see? So if you're new to me and you're new to this idea of um, going past behaviors, you'll want to head over to my website when this is over, um, robingobel.com backslash free resources. And at that web page, you'll be able to find uh, several free resources. But the one I want to direct you to right now is a 45-minute video introduction to the concept of regulation, connection, and felt safety. And how if we can support our kids' regulation, support our kids' connection to themselves and to us, and then support their experiences of felt safety, we are going to see the kinds of pro-social behaviors that that serve them. We're going to see those behaviors emerge. So again, if this is totally new information to you, when this is over, I really suggest you head over there and grab that free 45-minute introduction to this big paradigm shift. Felt safety is so important here. This idea that feeling safe is not the same as objectively being safe. And we could talk about felt safety for hours and hours and hours. And I have other resources available on my website that specifically address felt safety. But what we're going to talk about today is that when humans are experiencing this subjective state of felt safety, what emerges are what relational neuroscientists call behaviors of connection. 
And when humans are experiencing a lack of felt safety or they're experiencing some cues of danger in their environment, which again is really subjective, our nervous system and our bodies move into behaviors of protection. So let me say that again. When we're experiencing felt safety, human beings are designed to behave in ways that invite and nurture connection. It's really our default. We want to be in connected relationships with other human beings. It is only when we shift into uh, experiencing a lack of felt safety that our nervous system moves into protective behaviors. Keeping this distinction between like behaviors of connection and behaviors of protection in mind is really important because in general, the behaviors that we're hoping to help support our kids in changing are not behaviors of connection. Usually when we are trying to intervene and help our kids change behaviors, those are behaviors of protection, opposition, defiance, verbal aggression, physical aggression, just to name a really, you know, small handful. So behaviors of protection emerge when the nervous system, when the body isn't experiencing felt safety. Today, as we look at specifically this concept of tracking our level of arousal, as opposed to only staying focused on behaviors, we're going to go even deeper into arousal and look at Dr. Bruce Perry's work. Dr. Perry is the theorist behind the scientist behind the neurosequential model of therapeutics. He's the author of the book, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. We've, we've learned so much from what Dr. Perry has contributed to the relational neurosciences about brain development, particularly how experiencing complex or developmental or attachment trauma impacts neurosequential brain development. And Perry offers us the arousal continuum. So in addition to, uh, you know, behaviors of connection versus behaviors of protection, he then shows us how once we kind of flip over into this behaviors of protection place, there are these four different levels of arousal. He calls them alert, alarm, fear, and terror. Now over on my blog, you can find an article called um, focus on arousal instead of behaviors. And in that blog article, I'll link to it. Um, I'll link to it here in a little bit. Over on that blog article, there's a download that you can grab that will help kind of what I'm about to say make a little bit more sense because you'll be able to see it visually. So he talks about these four levels of arousal, alert, alarm, fear, and terror. And as the brain experiences more danger, arousal increases and behaviors correlate with those increased level of arousal. So the behaviors that we might see in our kids in the alert level of arousal might be something like opposition. When our kids are all the way in like the terror level of arousal, we're going to see behaviors that go, uh, that make sense for a brain that's in a level of terror. So we might see physical aggression, for example. 
in Dr. Perry's arousal continuum model helps us see the progression through the the level of arousal, through the level of um, danger that the person's experienced. And then this correlates then with through more intense behaviors that will often move from opposition to defiance, to verbal aggression, to physical aggression. Dr. Perry also distinguishes between the fight flight continuum and the level of arousal and the dissociative continuum and the level of arousal. And again, this will make a lot more sense if you could see it visually. Um, So I will be sure to link you to that blog. You can go get the download, the handout that will help you see this visually. Fight flight continuum behaviors are exactly that. Um, Fight behaviors, opposition, defiance, verbal aggression, physical aggression. They're behaviors that are still pretty engaging, right? They're they're engaging, but they're protective behaviors. Flight behaviors tend to be behaviors that are a little bit more disengaging and protective behaviors, like literally leaving. Or sometimes when kids um, move into what I can see, what I would call like the super silly way of being, like it has almost got this kind of maniacal, edgy flair to it that that still very much has the felt sense of dysregulation. And that could be felt a little bit more like a flight behavior. It's a disengaging behavior, but still a protective behavior. And then on the dissociative continuum are the more kind of shut down, collapse, go inward. It's instead of all this outward energy um, of, you know, behaviors of protection, it's more shut down, collapse, loss of energy, but still protective. I wanted to pause the episode real quick and read you this testimonial from one club member. This person writes in, the club has been life-changing for me. For me, feeling alone in the stress and the overwhelm of parenting a child with complex trauma has been traumatic. Here in the club, we are finding healing for ourselves by feeling seen and heard and validated, even though we may have come here for our children's healing. Oh, y'all, that is exactly what I'm trying to do in the club to create a space that's for you that also brings healing to your kids. So the club's open for new members until April 28th. We'd love to have you. RobinGobel.com slash the club. All right, let's get back to the episode. As our kids flip into these more defensive behaviors of protection. If we can remember that connection is a biological imperative and a regulated, connected kid who's feeling safe is going to lead with behaviors of connection, then we can remember that the first thing we want to do is not 
address the behavior from a kind of a consequence or a punishment or a threat standpoint. But first, we want to support regulation, connection, or and belt safety. A lot of times these things all go together and we want to make, you know, do some adjustments that will support all of those things. Our child's regulation, their connection to themselves and to others, and they're experiencing health safety. Now, oftentimes this can really feel like very lenient parenting. Um, like we're not really addressing the real problem. It can feel a little bit like coddling. It can feel like we're letting our kids get away with behaviors that really aren't healthy. They're not healthy for them. They're not healthy for their relationships. Um, and I want to really emphasize that that isn't the objective at all. The objective isn't to be lenient. The objective is to look at what the real problem is. And the real problem is this increasing level of arousal while also experiencing a lack of felt safety. So if we can shift and decrease the level of arousal while offering up opportunities for regulation and connection and felt safety, we're going to allow an opportunity for our kids like most amazing, true, precious, and developmentally appropriate self. I mean, kids aren't perfect. Nobody's perfect. We're not looking to have a standard of perfection in our kids' behaviors by any stretch of the imagination. But with regulation, connection, and felt safety, what we are going to see emerge is just age-appropriate, like developmentally appropriate kid behavior. So, it becomes then really important to learn how to track their level of arousal because Perry, again, distinguishes four different levels, alert, alarm, fear, and terror. And the, the brain that has moved all the way into the terror level of arousal needs something a little bit different than the brain that is in the alert level of arousal. But ultimately, what a struggling child needs is an opportunity to experience regulation, connection, and felt safety so that their cortical brain, the cortical brain, which shuts down, goes offline, we can use different metaphors, the cortical brain jumps out of the way, basically, when the nervous system, when the body, when the brain is experiencing, especially increased levels of danger and increased levels of arousal, the cortical brain kind of jumps out of the way. And the thinking brain isn't the best part of our brain to be keeping us alive when things are dangerous. It's too slow. So it sort of jumps out of the way and allows a different part of our brain to take over and respond. Now, this other part of the brain uh, isn't great at learning new information. It's not great at being rational. Uh, it's not great at receiving and giving verbal information. So when our kids are struggling and they've gone up the level of arousal continuum, 
what we really want to do is invite their system back into regulation, connection, felt safety, which re-engages their cortical parts of their brain. And then once the cortical parts of their brain are back online and we can connect with our kids through the cortical parts of our brain. Now, again, and this is, we got to keep our kids developmental um, stage into consideration here too, right? Well, a three-year-old, you know, how we engage that thinking brain of a three-year-old and how we engage the thinking brain of a 17-year-old are clearly not the same. So we got to, of course, keep, you know, developmental expectations in mind here. But we're Regardless, we want to wait until that cortical thinking part of the brain has come back online, meaning arousal has come down, safety is experienced, and so the brain moves back into these behaviors of connection. And once we move back into that stage, right, we can begin then to discuss strategies we can look at the need for different levels of boundaries with our kids. We can examine like, ha- does my kid have enough um, experiences of scaffolding? You know, like, have I given my child enough experiences that have been supported and co-regulated by me and scaffolded in order to be successful in this situation or in this environment? Or does my child need increased scaffolding? Do they need increased co-regulation? Do they need different right? So for example, a child who's really struggling um, at recess time and consistently is having a hard time with like peer engagement at recess time or being safe on the playground equipment or being safe with peers. What we wanna look at is, well, first, how do I get this child's brain back into a state where we can use any kind of strategies? So that's my first goal always as a child's moving up the level of arousal. So if they're yelling at their peers or they're hitting their peers or they're using verbal aggression, being really mean, right? My first step is to, you know, decrease the level of arousal, get that thinking brain back online. And then what I want to think about is what was my child missing in that moment that, that that child needed in order to be successful in that experience, in order to be successful on the playground? The playground's a place where our level of arousal is increasing anyway, right? Because we're moving our bodies and maybe running around and there's some increased kind of social engagement with our friends. So we're already a little vulnerable because our arousal is already increasing, Right. And then maybe the playground is a place where the child is missing the amount of co-regulation from a regulated adult that they really need. Right. Maybe this child has missed some basic building on how to have like age appropriate peer interactions. So that's our job afterwards. After we've reestablished safety. After we've reestablished, you know, connection and regulation, then our job becomes how do I set this child up for more success 
next time? What do I have to change? What do I have to change about the boundaries? What do I have to change about this child's experience of co-regulation? Does this child need more scaffolding? And here's the really tricky part is that for our kids, sometimes when we have to increase the boundaries or we have to increase the co-regulation, this could be experienced by our kids as a punishment, right? Because Oftentimes, what increased co-regulation means is increased adult contact or increased adult supervision. Um, and this can be felt and experienced by a child as a, as a punishment. Our job is to just make sure we're not offering it as a punishment, that we're offering it as an experience for our child to get their needs met, their regulatory needs met, their felt safety needs met, their connection needs met, so that their kind of pro-social self happens. Oh, I'm seeing a question come in. How does it happen with parents night and not when with friends? That I'd love to answer that question that came in. I'm a, I'm hoping you can maybe add a little bit more information to that question, or maybe even just read Wordix. I'm not entirely clear, but I will love. I would love to answer that. Um, so again, this can feel like kind of coddling parenting or not setting our kids up for the real world. And I have a couple thoughts about that, which are uh, one parenting with arousal instead of with just tracking behaviors is going to increase our child's resilience. And so then as they grow older and they move, you know, further and further away from us and more and more out into the real world, we are going to, their resilience will have increased because of how how we've responded to them in this way. And this increased resilience will allow them to navigate the quote unquote real world more effectively. The other thing I believe really strongly is that we have opportunities to kind of change the real world, right? If we can create a new generation of children whose brains have this much resilience and whose brains are used to being responded to through this lens, we are going to make some shifts in the real world. And I think that's really cool. Um, Definitely things like birthdays, adoption dates, all those kind of things will increase felt safety. I'll do another um, series here on felt safety in the, in the future, but to clarify felt safety, just in this moment, again, you can head over to my blog. I have a blog on felt safety and how felt safety is experienced. Like what, what's, what's behind felt safety. So without a doubt, like kind of trauma anniversaries or challenging days can absolutely change um, felt safety and then change levels of arousal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. What I want to do is give you the link for the post, the blog post I have been referencing. So I'm going to put that into where you can click on it. That you could go and again, the, the levels of arousal, alert, alarm, fear, and terror, I think are a little easier when we can see the chart. 
Um, so you can go and you can grab that download. And then the, again, the first step, way more than what we could cover in this short little um, you know, Facebook Live, the first step is really just this paradigm shift. And then starting to learn how to see the behaviors through a new lens. If this paradigm shift is totally new to you, in addition to heading over and checking out the blog where you can get the, the visual download, I want you to go to robingobel.com backslash free resources and grab the video series, Regulation, Connection, and Felt Safety. That's a real um, introductory look at this paradigm shifting belief at how we can look at our kids' behaviors through a new lens ultimately then supporting the pro-social behaviors that we're looking for, ultimately promoting them to emerge. Okay, I know there's so much more we can cover. I'm keeping these short and sweet and to the point on purpose because I know all of us have um, very limited time. But again, I'm working on doing these weekly. So I will see y'all back here next week. You guys have an awesome rest of your day. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what? If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash beingwith, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go 
subscribes to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you can get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you can just head to my website, download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now. And I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.